Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by the Tennis Live Scores app on today's French Open preview. The big three all land in the same half. Barty is on a Sviantec collision course. And Naomi Osaka decides to skip the media. Kim, the French Open is upon us. Roland Garros starts this weekend. Very, very exciting. The second Grand Slam of the year. And fittingly, you are ready to go back from your holidays. I am indeed. Yeah, I had a nice little break in a caravan, which was lovely. And thank you ever (laughs) so much to uh, the lovely Lee for stepping in. Uh, He was absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah, big thanks to Lee for um, filling in for me. And yeah, I'm back. So is Roland Garros, Joel. And uh, well, it, actually, it's quite weird because I feel like we only just had Roland Garros because obviously it was in like October last year. So it's we haven't had to wait a full calendar year. I think the madness is just I know I've, I know the tennis calendar is just generally mad anyway, but I genuinely feel the actual tennis madness is about to begin, given the quickness we're going to be going from clay into grass uh, it's just going to be an absolute onslaught and it's it's starting it's starting Sunday and we have some draws to, to talk about. We do indeed. And uh, we shall begin with those before well, without further ado, because there's quite a lot uh, to discuss, I think. And let's start with the men's draw, because I guess the most notable thing is that the big three, you know, Roger, Rafa, Novak, they are all in the top half of the draw. So it's very lopsided uh, for those big names. And I guess essentially the reason for that is because Rafa is the third seed not the second seed, which I think many people would have expected or assumed. And and therefore, you know, he's not necessarily going to be on a different side of the draw from, you know, Djokovic, his his main rival. And then obviously Federer coming into coming into play as well uh, has also landed in in their same half. So you've kind of got a very topsy turvy men's draw. <laughs> I know. When this came out, I felt like there was just massive outrage in the, the tennis community. I felt like everyone was sort of expecting or anticipating a Djokovic-Nadal final. But the reality is we're not going to get that. Um, you know, the big three all in the same half. Yeah, it's sort of opened up that that bottom half, which we'll obviously come on to. But I mean, what was your kind of gut feeling as a, you know, hearing that as a, a Nadal fan, I mean, were you, I was sort of angry, actually. I was like, how can this be? It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. You know, Nadal, number three seed at the French Open, something he's won thir- was 13 times before. It, it, it just didn't sound right. Yeah, it's a bit, as a, as a Rafa fan for me, I'm always, yeah, wondering which part, you know, Djokovic is going to be in it in relation to Rafa. And I think the consensus is that, yes, okay, to win Roland Garros, you're probably going to have to beat Djokovic at some point anyway, be it the semi-finals or the final. But we also know that in previous years, you know, the likes of Dominic team have, you know, removed Djokovic from the equation at the semi-final stage, <laughs> uh, which is probably, you know, please Rafa fans. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you do have to beat the other player on the other side of the net and probably going to have to beat Djokovic at some point. And potentially that would, you know, it, it really doesn't matter, I think, overall in the grand scheme of things. They've met in semi-finals many times before. You know, this isn't the first time we've seen that happen. The, 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 what we are seeing for the first time, though, is that the big three are all in the same half of a Grand Slam. So it's never been all three of them in the same half before, which is quite exciting. Um, but yeah, for, for Rafa in particular, yes, it's a shame that Medvedev is the second seed and on the other side of the draw. But I don't think we should underestimate players on the other side of the draw um, or just assume that that's, you know, an easy uh, side of the draw and that, you know, whoever comes through there is has no hope at all. Uh, I don't think that would be fair because there's a whole host of quality players in that other half, 
including Dominic Team, you know, Sitsapas and Medvedev, um, Zverev, you know, it's, it does feel very much like big three on one side, next gen on the other, um, you know, and I don't really like using that expression next gen all the time because it's not really so relevant now, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, let's, let's start with the top quarter then and Novak Djokovic because we, we sort of see Nadal, I guess, as the favourite and, and Djokovic really as the, you know, definitely as the second favourite. He's in Belgrade this week. He's in, he's into the final. Surprise, surprise. I mean, his route is quite, I think is quite generous, actually. Um, you know, he's got potentially, um, he's got Tennis Sangrid in the first round. I think that's quite easy. Uh, could come up against Puy or, or Cuevas in round two. I mean, it's sort of only really, I think, gets tricky you know, getting to the quarterfinals. I mean, he could face David Goffin in, in the fourth round. I don't think that's happening. I don't think Goffin's, uh, his level this season suggests to me he's going to get to the fourth round at Roland Garros. But um, I think from there, it sort of gets a bit more interesting because he could face Roger Federer in the quarterfinals. Yeah, well, actually, Joel, he's going to lose to Caruso in the third round. I'm projecting <laughs> a, a matchup between Caruso and Novak in the third round. Uh, it could happen. It could, could happen. happen. It's not. It does. It doesn't seem completely out of the out of the realms of possibility. I mean, Caruso has Duck, Duck, James Duckworth in the first round, so could easily come through that. And then Barankis Umber. I mean, I could, I could definitely see Caruso go on a, a career. Maybe even a career-defining run to the third round against Djokovic in the uh, Roland Garros. He might, he might have his Dennis Istomin moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, perhaps also, you know, I, I feel like Italian tennis players maybe, you know, onto something over the next fortnight. We've just had Italy winning Eurovision. The tennis players may have become inspired by that and we might see uh, them doing, you know, wonders for their country as well. But um Yes. Uh, no, I mean, genuinely, though, Djokovic Federer quarterfinal, is that going to happen? I don't feel like Roger Federer is going to get to the quarterfinals. He hasn't had the most amazing of uh, results since he's, you know, come back. And I just feel that he's very undercooked. And I know it's Roger Federer. I know he's got, you know, quite a bit of history behind him. But I just I'm I'm not sure he's going to get there. That's all I'm saying. I mean, he's got quite a tricky, I mean, he should come through a qualifier, but he could face Marin Cilic, which is quite interesting, sort of second round match, um, you know, between two players, you know, who are very much, you know, <laughs> elder statesmen, I guess, of the, the tennis tour. So that is definitely an interesting matchup. I think it gets a bit more difficult for Roger Federer moving on to kind of the third round and fourth round, because he could face, could face Taylor Fritz in the third round. And I don't think that is, a foregone conclusion. I mean, Taylor Fritz was pretty good against Novak Djokovic um, in the uh, Australian Open, and he's had a pretty, pretty solid season. And I think he's quite underappreciated on a clay court. So I think that could be quite tricky for Federer. I still expect him to sort of get through that. But I mean, he could come up against Berrettini in the fourth round, and you feel like that, that potentially is a bit of a step too far, um, even for, for Roger Federer, given, given what we've seen so far this season on a clay court, which, which is not a lot. Yeah, I, I was going to say that Berrettini, I think, would probably be where he potentially bows out, um, you know, but it's very, or, or Arthur Rindeneck, second round, it may not be Chilich, it could be Rindeneck, who's had, I think, some really good results this week. Uh, kind of a home crowd as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, French wildcard, we had the likes of Hugo Gaston last year, you know, going on that run. It may well happen again, but with a different a different player. Um, but let's move on to the, the second quarter in the top half, which is Rafa's quarter. And, and he actually could face Hugo Gaston in the second round, potentially. Um, it's a Gaston Gasquet, uh, all French first round. <laughs> that's that's very much like a like throwback French player to like the here and now, isn't it? Because as you say, Gaston had such a breakout, I think, in the, you know, the French Open last year. He had that win against Vavrinka, pushed Dominic team to five sets and um I haven't really heard much of him I still think he's waiting sort of break into the the top 100 but um it's definitely I wonder if he's going to be able to you know be inspired again from the the French crowd and you know how that's going to play who who the French fans going to support in that Gaston Gasquet match I feel like I would be I think I would be more of a Gasquet supporter actually but uh I'd be interested to see how that how that goes 
Oh, I think I'd take Gaston, but there we go. Oh, <laughs> um, but th- th- <laughs> this quarter of the draw also includes Rublev. So that would be the quarterfinal matchup would be Rafa against Rublev. So a repeat of the Monte Carlo quarterfinal, which Rublev won. Does that scare you? Uh, Grand Slams are very different beasts. So I'm, I, no, I'm not thinking about it right now. <laughs> Plus you got to just get get there you know to start with, haven't you yeah. i mean rafa's got alexi popper in first round which i know he played in recently and won quite easily but popper in i don't i wouldn't say is the easiest of, of first round opponents because he's been in you know probably the best period of his career so far uh has popper in um but other big names in this section yannick sinner uh aslan karatsev also last year's semi-finalist diego schwartzman so uh also basilashvili who either wins tournaments or doesn't <laughs> I'm expecting him to get out in the first round to to Lovic. No, yeah, I, yeah, he's he is one of like all in or, or nothing. Um, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see. I, I fully expect Nadal obviously to come through this. Um, you know, through this quarter, I'm interested to see if Rublev gets there. I mean, I know that he he's had a good clay court season so far, but not really heard, not really done that much kind of since. Um, you know, that win, I feel, against Nadal. And, you know, he has Struth in the, in the first round. He could face Karatsev as well. Um, and for me, Karatsev's the sort of danger, the danger player there in, in, that, in that bottom, in the very bottom uh, kind of first kind of uh, quarter. Um, you've also got, sorry, bottom half of the second quarter. Um, you've also got Diego Schwartzman, who hasn't really... It's not really been playing like the the Schwartzman we know of of a few seasons ago. So I, I don't think he's going to be much in the reckoning. But I definitely feel like Karatsev could assume could assume that mantle. And if it's not Karatsev, it may well be Fernando Vadasco. Uh, <laughs> right there we go. I've said him. Not on a wild card. <laughs> he's playing. He's playing Cole Schreiber in the first round, which is an absolute blast from about ten years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just had to get with Vadasco in there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Cam Norrie's also in uh, Rafa's little section. They could meet in the third round, which I think would be a repeat of the AO, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and obviously, they played a few weeks ago as well. You can complete a little trilogy there, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd be happy to see Norrie go to the third round and then lose to Rafa. That that would be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> no offense, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 an all right draw for Rafa, I think. Um, in order, you know, in terms of getting through this this quarter to then face Djokovic, I think um, you know he should <laughs> he should do that. Um, and I yeah, uh, I can't see any sort of massive hiccups but obviously we we never know what's going to happen players can develop injuries you know it's it's sport you know it's so unpredictable genuinely like at the end of the day all sorts of things one match i would love to see in this uh nadal route is him face sinner again mm. in in the fourth round because you know i remember we we spoke about that match uh you know the last french open and we were expecting so much from it um because of you know Sinner's undoubted talent and it, it fell a bit flat I think you know Nadal just kind of went and won in kind of very routine fashion so I'd quite like to see a Nadal-Sinner rematch in that fourth round so that we can almost have a bit of a comparison to see how far you know Sinner's game has developed and see some comparisons and what he's changed in his game and how he's matured you know, mm. over the last, you know, 12 months or so you know, between the last French Open and, and this one coming up. So I think that's a, an interesting one that could happen. I mean, just generally speaking, looking at that that top half, Kim, I mean, the number of Italians uh, in that top half, you feel like one of them is going to do something because they're all in pretty good nick at the moment. You've got Berrettini, you've got Musetti, um, who I actually think could, who faces David Goffin in the first round. I think Musetti could win that. Um You've also got uh, Sonigo, who I think is going to be quite difficult. He could play Norrie as well in round two. So I think that could be quite a tough one for, for Norrie. But um, yeah, there's quite a few Italians that I'm, I'm just thinking, because there's so many there, I feel like someone might, might, do, might make a name for themselves in, in this tournament. Well, I did just say, you know, Italy are on a roll at the moment, Joel. So, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I've made some excellent uh, predictions for Eurovision and they came, they came true. <laughs> so I'm hoping that um, my collector set and Roland Garros predictions will also 
exactly the same. So Italians, watch out for the Italians. What you're saying is you're you're expecting Stefano Travaglia to make his way all the way through to the final and beat beat Novak Djokovic en route. No, Andrea Seppi's the man. <laughs> Forget Sinner, it's all about Seppi. Um no, I mean going back to what you were saying, Rafa against Sinner would be a very tasty matchup. And, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Yannick Sinner. I, I wouldn't want him to beat Rafa, obviously. <laughs> but um I would, you know, that would be a very appetizing match for sure. Uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, it will extend Rafa. I mean, you, know, you need those battles en route, don't you? You need to be tested. You can't just have a dead easy draw and then roll into the semis without having any sort of challenge. So you need to have a certain caliber of opponent, don't you, going into like the latter stages. It is always helpful. I mean, especially with potentially with, you know, Rublev in that quarterfinal, you would you wouldn't want him to go into that potentially a little bit undercooked. Um, but I mean, you know, with Nori or potentially Sonigo in that third round, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I don't think, you know, it's, I, I think Djokovic's draw maybe is a little bit easier, but I certainly think that sort of almost kind of helps Nadal because he's going to have a much, I think, tougher sort of quarterfinal with potentially Rublev waiting. Um, Kim, can we just quickly talk about as well, you know, we're speaking about Nadal, a statue has been constructed uh, and is at the French Open now to recognise his achievements uh, on the clay courts. I've got to say, this statue is is interest is it's interesting. I think that's the politest way I could probably describe it. Well, it's quite tall. It's three meters tall. Um... And yeah, it's, it's quite big. You know, you can see photos of Rafa posing next to it. It's uh, made of stainless steel, but interestingly, it's got kind of a lot of indentations and like holes in it. Um, my mum said it looked a bit like the Tin Man, you know, from a Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, from um, the Wizard of Oz. Love it. Or yeah, it, it's, I don't think it's the most appealing of statues. It's, it's out, it looks like his face is sort of being attacked by something, but um his mouth is open. It, it's really off-putting. For, I know that's like his look when he's hitting a forehand, but it's not... I don't feel like it's something you'd want to have that, like, memorialised, maybe. Um, I think they could have done a better job. Um, like, no offence to the architect. I, I'm, I love the sentiment behind it and that he's being honoured with a statue, but I, I think I've seen better. But um, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Listeners, what do you think? <laughs> I am sort of scared that this is almost like put the mockers on him before the tournament. That's my that's my feeling because you know statues are normally like made for people who've retired or you know passed away, and the fact that he's still playing, you know, I'm a bit like you know I can see it now. If if there's obviously big if, uh, you know, something happens to that, I feel like this statue is going to get the blame, or it's the statue is going to be the full guy in the situation. Yeah, I was I was a bit surprised to learn that they'd done it already. I thought, you know, these are the, are the sorts of things that, you know, wait till someone's retired. But um, I mean, I don't think it's as bad. I, did you ever see the Cristiano Ronaldo head oh, yeah. in I mean, Madeira that's, Airport? No, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not as bad I as agree. that. <laughs> um, so let's look at the bottom half, which is a bit light in contrast, I guess, to the top half, as we said earlier. Um you know, whoever is going to come through from this half, to, if they want to win the slam, is probably only going to have to play like one of the big three, either Novak or Rafa in the final, you would imagine. I mean, so let's let's discuss who we think is the most likely to make it through to the final. Um, you've got to say, you know, I mean, Zverev's at the top half of this section. Um, he would face Dominic Team in the quarterfinal. I would expect um, them both to get to the quarterfinal looking at the draw actually I think they've both um with with the exception of Casper Ruud who may throw a spanner in the works I, I would expect uh, the quarterfinals to come from one of those three players perhaps Roberto Bautista Agut could be an anomaly as well yeah th- this part of the draw is just so wide open and you feel like Zverev and Sissipas are, are like the the biggest sort of like they're in their, you know, they're in the form at the moment to like make the most of this opportunity. But as you say, Casper Ruud's been in really, really good form this clay season. Could throw a spanner in the works. Dominic Team, I feel like no one, everyone has written off Dominic Team, and I, you know, I think a lot, maybe a lot of people are forgetting that his, you know, caliber at the, you know, the French Open has been, you know, exceptional over the last few seasons. And although he's not been. Um, you know, in great form recently, um, and he and almost kind of requires a a reset. I think that he's still 
sort of searching for off the back of that, you know, shock loss to uh, to Norrie in in Leon. Um, I genuinely think that he is would be able to kind of find that reset uh, in this, you know, in this draw because. You know, I was speaking in our in our previous catch up with Lee that he would need a favourable draw at Roland Garros to you know to put a to put a run together, and I think he has got that. You know, the fact that he has Zverev in his his quarter, and you know, I just don't think I just don't see a lot of um, I don't see a lot of threats there that mean that he can potentially play himself uh, with a few matches into the tournament. And the fact that it's best of five, I feel like his his caliber is really going to really going to shine through there yeah and I think before the US Open last year he had a really terrible you know quick loss in the Cincinnati event I I think it was or one of the other ones um then obviously the slam was a different kettle of fish so I don't think yeah we should read too much into that Norrie defeat um I do think yeah his caliber will will come out and I feel like having all the break that he's had and that time to kind of think and re kind of motivate himself and get through that injury I think he'll definitely come back better and I think actually it's probably a good thing that people won't be expecting too much he can probably take the pressure off and just get on with it um, I do wonder though how Casper Ruud will face up against him in the fourth round should should they both get there because he's been he's made three semi-finals um, on clay I think uh, well, no, he's won. He won a title. He won the Geneva title, sorry, but also has made three semis <laughs> as well as that. So arguably he has been, you know, one of the most informed clay quarters um, this year. Does he go in, in as the favourite, do you think, in, if if that match happened between Rude and team? Or, or do you still think... <sighs> I still would, would go edge? with team based on experience at Grand Slam. I think that, mm. that does count for an awful lot. Um, I would expect Zverev to, to certainly get to the quarterfinal as well. I think he's actually been pretty consistent in slams, hasn't he, of, in the last year? So, and he's been in decent form as well. Obviously, he won won Madrid. So, I Beat mean, Nadal. Dan Evans could be a, a third round opponent for for Zverev, and let's hope Dan Evans gets gets there because he. <laughs> I feel like Dan Evans might come a, a, a cropper against Mute in the second round uh, again, <laughs> but uh, we'll see about that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure. I I I think he's. Had, he's got quite a good draw to get to the third round and you know they had a you know they had that match uh i can't remember where it was but they played recently evans and zverev and um you know it was quite tight i think it was a you know it was a two set a tight two set loss for evans um i remember watching the, the tie break um in the the second set but i do think that evans will see that draw and think he's got an opportunity to get through to face zverev in in round three i mean zverev's got two looks like he's got two qualifiers so he can really you know ease himself into well into the into the tournament but I certainly think that Dan Evans could get there as can Cam Norrie I think you know we've spoken about before with Dan Evans that he doesn't really do it at at slams um you know his record at slams versus the tour is you know not as favorable so I think this is an opportunity for him to get to where his seeding suggests he should get to and that's round three yes I I I think so. I would concur with that, Joel. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the bottom section of the bottom half, God, it's quite confusing, isn't it? Describing the draw if you're not sort of also <laughs> looking at it. Um, we've got a Sitsipas Medvedev possible quarterfinal matchup, according to the seedings. Uh, whether Medvedev never, would get never there. Never happening in a million years, Kim. <laughs> he's lost all four of his previous French Open matches, so he doesn't have the best of records at Roland Garros, it's fair to say. So he's perhaps the, the second seed with the least uh, chance of justifying that seeding ever. I don't know if one could say that. Um, but he's, yeah, never won a match at Roland Garros. So, you know, I feel like he's got Alex Bublik in the first round and he may well go out um, in that first round. But it's a very interesting prospect. You know, he's a very interesting one to try to predict because we just don't know. Um, but yes, it's pass, I think, would get to his predicted quarterfinal. I, I imagine actually, you know, he would be the semi-finalist from this section, arguably the finalist. You know, he's been in very good form in the clay court season, um, you know, very, very good form and obviously very narrowly lost uh, that Barcelona final. I mean, Sissipas, I feel like the the red carpet has kind of been rolled out for him to get to the final. I mean, <laughs> this I is your this, moment. <laughs> I think I genuinely think, you know, looking at his draw, the fact he's land, he's in Medvedev's quarter. I feel like this is, you know, this is this is now time for him, you know, based on the form that he's shown, um, you know, the matches that he's had, 
Um, I, I do think that this really is begging for him, uh, you know, to get to the final. Um, yes, there are other players like Team and Zverev in this half, but I feel like he is the, you know, he is top dog. Looking at Medvedev, I just, I just, I mean, he has been dealt a rough hand. I just cannot see him getting to, well, he's not going to get, I just can't see him getting to the final as the number two seed. I sort of look at this situation, Kim, and just think, why don't they have like clay weighted rankings in place for seedings at the French Open? Because you would think arguably that someone who's lost, you know, who's never won at the at Roland Garros but is above someone who's won it 13 times is a little bit weird. Um, you know, I think I'm sure there'll be other people who uh, disagree with that, but I certainly think that's one thing that I think the, the seedings has, has potentially shown up in this case. But I mean, yeah, Bob Licken in, in round one, that, that feels tricky. He could face Riley Apelka in, in round three. He could face Christian Garin in round four. I mean, two very, very tough players. We've seen Opelka be really good on the dirt recently. And Garin as well. We know we know that he he knows how to play on the clay court. Indeed. And um also I have to say Pablo Carreno Busta, always his name springs to mind. <laughs> and he has form at semi-finals of a Grand Slam, although more on a hard court than than clay court. Um yeah, I mean, I'm gonna yeah, it's um I have to say, I agree with you on Sitsipas. I can't see anyone really but him getting to the final from this section. The only question mark I potentially have about Sitsipas, I mean, he has a tricky... I mean, Seb Corder, Seb Corder in the second round is not... I think he's quite difficult, actually. I don't I don't think that's a foregone three-set conclusion on paper. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little, a little wobble there. I mean, Corder's playing well at the moment. I think he's in the final in Parma against Cecchinato. So... You know that there could be a p- little bit of a wobble there, but I think that might almost help help Sissipas kind of get into sort of tournament mode, and in, it, that sort of wobble or whatever it is um, with a, a tr- potentially tricksy opponent in in round two that I think could help him favourably going deeper um, in Roland Garros. Yeah, and um, I mean, let's just have a look at those those first round matches. Do you, what's your pick of the first round matches across both sides of the draw? Uh, what what are you going to be tuning into? It has to be Bublik versus Bublik, Bublik, Bublik uh, against Medvedev. Um, that's just going to be absolutely fascinating in terms of Bublik is a player who you know we've seen this season. He's he's probably had one of his best seasons in his career uh, so far, and you know on his day can you know just bring out some a level of tennis that not a lot of people can kind of compete with you know we know he's got a streakiness about him and I think that's what makes him so compelling to watch he's a bit of an entertainer like Nick Kyrgios as well we know Daniel Medvedev is a bit of an entertainer as well perhaps in a bit more of a you know trying to figure out how to play on a a clay court but I just think there's so many interesting facets to that matchup that for me yeah Bublik Medvedev is probably the one to watch in round one Mm. Yeah, I would have to say I I agree with you. I think for me, Gaston Gasquet will also be <laughs> um, something I'll be tuning into because mm. I just I think that'll be a very um, delicate match. Maybe also the first set of Rude versus Pear uh, before Pear inevitably self combusts, retires, or self combusts or whatever. I think that could be quite fun. But uh, yeah, and maybe Musetti Goffin because I do genuinely think there's going to be an upset. I think there's going to be upset there. And dare I say, I think it could be a quite a comprehensive upset. I just think Musetti is just, it's just been playing some very, very solid tennis at the moment. And I think just Goffin is a little bit fragile in terms of his confidence. So I wonder if, if Musetti can take full advantage. Yeah. And as we're recording this, we don't know like where the qualifiers have kind of been distributed out as well. So that also may throw up some spanners and works and exciting first rounders. But um, what, what are your predictions then, Joel? Uh, for the men's side are we making semis and finals and winners predictions so i am gonna go in the top half i've gone very to the book and i'm gonna go and say Djokovic versus nadal i think at the end of the day those two will get through um i'm not really envisaging maybe nadal might have a little bit of a tougher time getting there potentially with that rublev quarterfinal but i just think over best of five at roland garros it's just very hard to say neither of these players are going to get there. So I'm going to go Djokovic, Nadal in the top half. And then bottom half, 
little bit more interesting. I mean, as I said, I think the red carpet has genuinely been rolled out for Sissipas to get to the semi-finals. So going to have to go with Sissipas. But I'm not saying Sissipas Verev. I'm going to go Sissipas versus Dominic Team. Uh, I just think Team. This has just been written off completely, and I feel like the stage has been set for him to prove every, all the doubters wrong and find his mojo again at a tournament he's played so well in in the past. So I'm going to go Team Sissipas in my bottom half semi-final. Yeah, I've gone exactly the same as you, but I've just gone for Zverev instead of Team. Um, just because I, I feel that Team might not be slightly there when it comes to like a five-setter with, with Zverev. And I feel like Zverev has been in decent form and quite consistent. Um, in the final, though, I've gone for uh, Rafa against Tsitsipas. So I, I feel that Rafa's going to come through Djokovic, which is obviously... Um, Oh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but obviously I want it to happen. So, um, and I've actually gone for Rafa to win his 14th French Open. Um, so fingers fingers crossed very much for that. Uh, what about you though, Joel? Have you gone for Rafa getting his 14th or are you going for a different champion? I genuinely think that statue has put the curse oh, on no. Nadal. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh. I'm just not, I'm just not confident. Um, I'm I'm going Djokovic in that semi-final. I think it's going to be an epic. I think it might even go over two days. I think it might deflate whoever wins. It might make them tired for the final. Um, so I'm I'm going Djokovic, but I'm I'm thinking it could very well be an epic. And I think he's going to face Sissipas. Um, I think Sis I think team will do well to get to the semi-finals, but I think Sissipas, given the form he's been in and, and the number of matches he's played. Um, I think he would just come through that. So I've got a Djokovic Sissipas final with Novak Djokovic as the winner. I just think the top seed is going to do what he does. And as the, I think he's going to upset the odds, I think, on Nadal. And I think he's going to carry that through all the way through to, to being champion. Apologies. Some would say that is a fairly bold prediction because Djokovic hasn't been in the best of form of late. Yeah. Um, I mean that final, that final, that final last seat, yeah. Well, also mm. the French Open final last year when they last, you know, played Djokovic and Nadal. It was we sort of were in the same sort of, you know, mindset of, of thinking, oh, could this be Djokovic's time? And then Nadal just won it in the most comprehensive fashion. So that I mean that very much could easily happen again. But you know, I'm 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 putting it down to the statue, Kim. That's my that's my <laughs> rationale. Sure, very scientific rationale. But anyway, you've gone Djokovic, <laughs> I've gone Nadal. Very original predictions. Uh, but there we go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, but do join us in the second half. We'll be looking at the women's draws as well as announcing our collector set. So see you in a moment. This is The Passing Shot. You're joined by Joel and Kim. And now we're going to move on to discussing the women's singles draw at Roland Garros 2021. Um, so will we have the top seed potentially winning this slam as well? Like you've predicted the top seed in the men's to win. Are you going to go for Ash Barty, top women's seed to win her second Roland Garros? She's um, at the top of the draw. As you, as you do when you're the top seed. Um, but I feel like also that the top half of the women's draw is probably also loaded. More, more loaded than the second half. I think that's fair to say. Uh, so who have you got your eyes on in, in Ash Barty's, uh, section of the draw, Joel? I mean, this is really interesting because we'll get on to Iga Sviontek is in Ash Barty's half. So again, you've got arguably the two favorites in the same half could potentially meet in the semi-finals. Um, that's not a foregone conclusion. Um, someone like Muguruza might have something to say about that, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But in terms of Ash Barty, I'm sort of interested here because, you know, we've had slight fitness doubts over her and potentially that's why we're putting Sviontek as the, the, the clear favourite. But Barty has come into this. She said she's 100%. Um, I mean, I don't think she was going to say anything different, but um, yeah, she's got quite a... A quite a tricky draw, I think. She's got Yabor potentially in the third round. I mean, Yabor's got Potinsifer in the first round. I think that's one of the, the one of the popcorn matches of of the opening of the opening round. But um could face Yabor, then Coco Goff in the fourth round. And Coco Goff, again, one of those Americans that has just been playing really, really solid tennis on a on a clay court. You know, we've spoken recently in our, our catch ups about her maturity and her player development and you know, really living up to the hype. So I'm sort of 
quite interested to see if we get an Ash Barty Coco Goff fourth round because I do think Coco Goff loves the big occasion and it would not surprise me if Coco Goff kind of goes out there and just plays like Coco Goff does, laps it all up and maybe, maybe, just maybe um, upsets Ash Barty. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's certainly in good form at the moment and I I could see that happening. I, I genuinely could. Um, with Barty, I sort of feel like I wouldn't be surprised if she went all the way and won it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if she lost in the third round. And I know that sounds a bit daft because she's been in really good form, but I, I don't know. I just, I can see both scenarios happening. Um, yeah. Also, Carolina Mukova in this section of the draw. Um, she's been in good form. You know, this is kind of her season of you know notoriety I suppose she's really come to the fore and um I you, you know I feel like she's actually my second pick for this like top quarter but you've also got Svislina who is incredibly you know consistent at getting to quarterfinals and made the semis um you know before and as as I she could never rule her out she's been in decent form as well you know she's incredibly consistent um so yeah it's tough it's tough to predict but there's a ton of popcorn matches though again as you get with the women's draw you know in every tournament it's it's so good I mean the bottom half of that top half uh you've got Sophia Kennan as the fourth seed you know last year's finalist uh she's got Ostapenko in the first round which is ridiculous first round match I mean I would expect (laughs) Ostapenko to win that one who's the favorite in that match because I think Ostapenko is even though I don't think she's been in sparkling form it's just that yeah we've got a French Open champion and a French Open finalist in, in round one who I sort of feel like are still trying to rediscover themselves Ostapenko maybe for a little bit longer than than Kenin but it's that's certainly another yeah popcorn match to to look at yeah I'd expect Kenin to lose that one just because she you know she really hasn't been mm. in very good form I mean, obviously she's had a lot of issues and she had surgery at the start of the year and, and all of that so you know I just Unless she can suddenly build a run and no one's expecting it because she does like to not have that pressure. So it might help her to have all eyes off her. Yeah. I mean, she's got Pegula and, and Sakari in that section around her. And I think those two players are going to be very, very difficult, very stern tests, I think, to to potentially come through. I think the more interesting part of this quarter is the very bottom part because you've got Muguruza and Iga Sviontek potentially meeting each other in in the fourth round and you know with Muguruza I feel at the Australian Open we had Muguruza Osaka in that fourth round Muguruza had match points didn't win it Osaka went on to to become Australian Open champion it really was a match that decided who the winner was and again there's an there's an argument to say that round four match between Muguruza and and Sviontek again it could decide the champion Absolutely. I feel that Muguruza, something in me wants her to, I don't know, it's sort of like a weird justice thing going on. I felt like she should have won that match against <laughs> yes, Oh no, yes, I agree. And I'm like, maybe this can be, you know, her, her time because she should have potentially won that whole tournament at the AO. And I just always feel if she's there lurking, she can go all the way. You know, she has form. She's a two-time slam champion. And yeah, it's it's tricky because, you know, there's Sviontek and then, you know, Migarutha. Um, but I think... Oh. I'm not sure also. I mean, Cerebes Tormo unseeded could be quite a dangerous... I think that would be quite a stern test for Muguruza, potentially also in terms of her, in terms of her fitness. I could very easily see that go three sets, but I could also easily see Muguruza blasting Cerebes Tormo off the court. Um, I think that very much could go one way um, or the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, just talking about Shiontek, also, we, you know, we spoke about before the pressure that, that's now going to be on her as champion. You know, this isn't like before where, you know, she um, had no pressure on, no one really knew who she was and she just kind of blasted away through the tournament, had that amazing win against Simona Hallett, blah, blah, blah. This time, you know, she's going in as the reigning champion and it'll be, again, fascinating to see how that plays on her mind, if it plays on her mind. You know, she's been a big advocate of of having a sports psychologist and you would imagine in the, in the build-up to this tournament that her, you know, psychologist was probably kind of preparing her for the, 
you know the extra i guess the extra uh baggage that comes with with being the, the reigning champion so again it will be fascinating to see how she handles that yeah definitely um and just a note on heather watson she's got zarina diaz in the first round possibly could face elise mertens in the second if she gets through so hard to look beyond that for heather watson as the kind of realistic end point but um Merton Sakari, that could be quite fun in round three as well. But yeah. Merton's uh, is obviously a very consistent player on the tour. So, yeah, you'd expect her to go to a relative uh, deepness in the draw. Um, but yeah, the second, well, the bottom half of the draw. Well, normally this would appear an extremely loaded section because you'd have the likes of Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, Bianca Andreescu, uh, Kvitova, Azarenka, you know. But I feel because this is a, is a clay court event, that has sort of slightly changed the situation. And we're not really looking at Serena or Osaka as potential winners. Um, would that be a correct and fair assessment, Joel? Or am I being harsh? <laughs> 100%. I, I just feel this this draw, the bottom half, particularly for the women's draw, a lot of top, top names there that you've you've just kind of listed off, but not really ones that have a lot of form. And as a result of that, there's only really kind of one standout who you'd think is potentially maybe like like Sissipas, really, their kind of time, you know, to get to the final. And that's that's Arena Sabalenka um in this sort of top quarter of the bottom half. I mean, this is the this is the the part of the draw that Serena Williams is in as the seventh seed. So Sabalenka could face Serena in the quarterfinals. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Sabalenka could also face Azarenka uh, in the fourth round, which could be quite tasty. I know Azarenka has been a bit, um, you know, a bit invisible on the tour recently, but we know her, her, you know, her caliber on, on a, on a tennis court, on a clay court even. So that could be interesting if that gets there. Um, But you really think that Sabalenka, you feel like this is her moment with the draw that she's got you feel like this is her moment, the opportunity to kind of grasp uh, to get to her first, potentially to get to her first Grand Slam final. Yeah, you you do feel that this is her time. You know, the form she's been in, the, the titles that she's won, you kind of feel like, you know, she should, but obviously should is a is a loaded word and she's not been still beyond, I think, the fourth round of, of a slam. Which is kind of crazy. It is. I do. I do hope that she does go deeper than that. And I think she certainly deserves to. And I just hope she can perform when it matters. I mean, I should just sort of counterbalance what I said earlier about Serena, because obviously she is a multiple champion at this event. But the form that she's been in, obviously, has been pretty lacklustre. Um, so you she know. played one match on, on clay. And I'm just not sure. I'm just not sorry. She's had one win on clay. And I'm just not sure what how much we can expect of her. I mean, she's got an all I think she's got an all right draw to be honest. Um but you know that defeat against Podoroska just showed to me that she you know on a clay court uh, she's fallible at any moment I feel at any at any round. So I really think with Serena Williams although it feels quite weird to say it's almost like taking it you've got to take it around around at a time despite how many grand slams that she's won. Definitely. And I, I know that she's got an all right draw, but I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if she lost to Begu in the first round. Um, so, yeah, another interesting one to to try and predict. Um, and then at the bottom section of this draw, we've got obviously the second seed, Naomi Osaka, who, again, has not been in good form on the clay. I mean, she's actually also got a decent draw, I would say. Um, she could face uh, Von Drusova in the fourth round, who is a former finalist. Uh, but Von Drusova is not particularly been in the greatest of of form and I mean the, the semi-final sorry not, not the semi-final the quarterfinal would be on paper with Andreescu but again she recently pulled out of um another event with a an injury so it's like you just always question whether Andreescu is fit enough <laughs> to take to the court <laughs> she she even she's like injured even though she wins I mean she's she, on, on in the, I can't remember which tournament it was but yeah she she was playing some really, really good tennis. Uh, sorry, in, in Strasbourg. Um, you know, she was playing some really good tennis, just winning in straight sets. And yeah, I just hope she, I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be a fitness, you know, concern, I think, around Andrescu. But again, this quarter feels very, very wide open given Osaka's sort of form um, on clay so far. A bit like Daniel Medvedev, really. <laughs> both, both of the second seeds 
you could arguably say could go out in in round one which would be a real well I don't think it would be a surprise actually but I mean I do think this is if you're a a unseeded player I think this is the part of the draw that you would want to land in potentially to to make a name for yourself and you know you see Podoroska there unseeded could face faces Benchich in round one she I think she's a potential dark horse Joe Conter's there as well I mean no, I know Joe Conter's not been in, in great form recently, but genuinely, uh, apart from Castella in, in round one, I mean, I say that quite lightly, even though Castella's in, in the final in Strasbourg uh, um, at the moment. Um, I, I think Conter, again, in, in maybe that Dominic team situation of sort of writing her off despite having previous at this event. And I feel like that uh, maybe is where Conter is most dangerous. So, Kim, feel free to shout me down if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of got my British fan hat on and thinking Conta could could go on a bit of a run. See, I completely disagree with that. I think Joe Conta's <laughs> got like zero chance to oh. beat Caster. Caster's in great form. Conta's like not in any form. I just can't see her winning against Castella. Um and yeah soz for british hopes i just don't think she's a prospect i may be wrong though joel but interestingly in this section as well you, you do have podoroska who is obviously a former semi-finalist also anisimova another former semi-finalist and trevisan who was the quarter-finalist last year um who was a qualifier so there's a whole host of names and it may very well be a situation where we get you know another sort of random person <laughs> essentially coming through i mean i would also have my eye on benchich and kudermatova on this, you know, who are seeded, but um, I think feel like one of them may come through and, and make their first semi-final of a slam. Um, let's just talk about though, Joel, the the Naomi Osaka kind of news that I guess has been talked about a lot in the press, um, and it concerns the press because she came out a few days ago uh, to say that she has decided not to do any press conferences during Roland Garros. Um, so she's not she's going to take the fine. She's going to um, you know, accept that and she's not going to put herself through any press conferences. And the reason that she stated is because uh, she feels that, um, I guess, journalists and all of the media, they have no regard for athletes' mental health. And she's often uh, sitting in conferences, being asked the same question again and again, or questions that uh, puts put doubt puts doubt into her mind. Um, and she says uh, that she's not going to subject herself to people that doubt her anymore so you can all go and read the the long statements she put up on social media but um essentially she's doing it for kind of mental health reasons but it's not gone down very well has it amongst kind of obviously not the media they wouldn't really i guess like the fact that she's decided not to talk to them but i guess against you know amongst a lot of people on twitter i think people are sort of taking a bit of umbrage at her decision yeah it was it was a big announcement you know pre uh, you know, French Open. We know Naomi Osaka is one of the, you know, the leading lights in the sport. And, you know, she's one of the, I think she is the highest paid, one of the highest paid sports people in the world. And, you know, it feels like, you know, she's in this position and, you know, she's wants to, you know, she wants to make a stand. And, you know, we've seen that before, you know, we feel that, you know, she, she is sometimes kind of bigger than the sport in the sense that she wants to get involved in, you know, social or, or political things. You know, we saw, you know, for example, with the you know the face masks at the the U.S. Open, uh, you know, at the you know last season, for example. So she's got kind of examples in her locker of of where she's kind of getting involved in in this sort of activism, and I think this is another sort of strand of that. But I think compared to kind of the things that she's done before, I I don't I feel like I'm one of these people. I don't necessarily kind of agree with it. Um, you know, I I do think kind of with kind of press conferences that they are kind of part and parcel of being an elite athlete and it's you know it's I think you just have to it have to sort of kind of accept it I don't see it as a you know a nice to have and you know you can just do kind of do yourself um I feel like it's an essential part and as a result of that I feel like she should be like having to do these kind of conferences and you know I was kind of reading about kind of Novak Djokovic and the fact that you know Novak Djokovic is one of these players who by the media doesn't get portrayed arguably in a a favorable light all the time but you know he I think kind of just kind of accepts it and 
and you know he almost admits it to himself and is like that's fine and you know he kind of goes about his job in terms of being an ambassador for the sport and I feel like Asaka by not doing these kind of press conferences regardless of, of kind of the you know her feeling around kind of mental health I feel like as an ambassador of the sport we need you in the spotlight and one of those spotlights is press conferences and that's why you, you should be there now if the questions you're being asked don't agree with you then maybe there is some training and, and learning to do there but I just don't think kind of effectively binning off the, the media and, and doing your own thing I think is the the right way to go about it yeah I guess the point that she's making is that maybe it will um mean that some of the journalists review what kind of questions they are asking because I, I have seen it before where they do just ask kind of very similar questions and I understand that for players they must get sick of hearing the same thing again and again but then that is part of their job as being an elite athlete you know that is an expectation that they need to give you know something <laughs> to to the media who are you know let's face it also supporting the sport and promoting it through all their their work as well um I, yeah, I, I do feel that this isn't the best way of maybe making that point. I, I don't know. Perhaps, you know, she she kind of says at the end that um, the, she hopes that the considerable amount that she gets fined will go towards a mental health charity. But I assume the tournament will just obviously, you know, they'll just take that money back from her earnings at the tournament or whatever. I doubt they're going to uh, donate that to a charity. They're just going to keep the money. So I, I feel like that's probably wishful thinking on on her behalf. And perhaps if she went to the press and maybe highlighted this in every conference that she did maybe that would garner more attention than kind of just avoiding it altogether I don't know I kind of see both sides um be interesting to see what the listeners think as well I do feel I mean you know you mentioned Djokovic you know after his default at the US Open um did he come and did he do press I can't remember he did he didn't he didn't he? he didn't know but he did come out with a statement, I think, the yeah. next day. But in, in most other scenarios, obviously, after difficult matches, you know, most players do um, do do the press. We have seen odd instances where they haven't, but I don't think anyone's ever come out and said, I'm not doing it for a whole tournament. Uh, some play, some some fans have said, well, she may not be doing, she may only have one press conference scheduled anyway, you know, because she may not get very far. So Fair point, yeah. Would she have done this at the US Open? You know, would she, would she do this if it wasn't a clay court event i feel like a lot of people are doubting her chances on clay and is that kind of feeding into her doubting herself and therefore she doesn't want to engage with that type of question i mean she has come out and said i think you know she's i think she's contacted the the roland garros tournament organizers and said this is nothing to do with you it's just unfortunate it's landed you know i wanted to do it at this time um i just think yeah i just think kind of going back to kind of my point i was it was just kind of you know thinking that She's done, I feel like she's done this to, you know, obviously spur on a reaction from the media in terms of their ways and in terms of best practice and and what questions to ask. And maybe now there's going to be like a period of reflection on that. But rather than doing it in that sort of cause and effect sort of way, I wondered if there was more of a collaborative way they could have potentially done it that didn't feel so standoffish against the media, because I do wonder if this is going to you know, we all know that Osaka is an amazing tennis player, but I, I wonder if maybe this kind of leads her down that that Novak Djokovic path with the media in terms of how how you know maybe she gets kind of portrayed kind of going forward. I, I don't know, but it certainly feels like the 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 response from the journalism and tennis media from this has not been particularly not been particularly positive. No, exactly. We'll have to see how it how it pans out. I mean, if she won the tournament, would, is she still not going to do um, a press conference? I suppose she probably wouldn't want to now because all the questions mm. would be asking yeah. about this. So you sort of I mean, that's going to be bizarre. That's going to be bizarre, isn't it? If that happens, I will sort of almost yeah. want her to win just to see how that looks because that's just going to feel very. That's going to be feel very weird, isn't it? It is indeed. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, let's go back to the women's draw, Joel. Um, like, who are your predictions uh, for the semifinals, the final champion? And also, are there any matches you're very keen on for the first round Any popcorn matches you're definitely going to be tuning into? Yeah, so obviously, Kenin Ostapenko, I think, could be quite a fun one. 
um, as well as Azarenka Kuznetsova. Massive blast from the mm. massive blast from the past. Um, but I've, I do have an eye on um, Sloane Stevens versus Carla Suarez Navarro. Um, it's great to see Suarez Navarro back in Grand Slam uh, environment. Uh, we've all kind of seen, um, you know, she's been battling uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma recently, so it's just been really great to see her back. Um, on a court where she belongs so I'm, I'm excited for that match I feel like it's winnable um, but I'm curious to see how she can kind of get on um, but yeah it's just great to see Suarez Navarro back on a court so I've got an eye on that one as well yeah definitely and I think also for me Clara Towson against Paola Bedosa is quite an interesting one yeah. because Towson's obviously a young up-and-coming Dane who had I think that big win against Brady in the first round here last year which I think is when many people sort of found out about her for the first time and Bedosa inform Spaniard you know young and up and coming um so I'm quite intrigued by that but obviously <laughs> to non-tennis uh, fans they might be like who are both of those players <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um yeah so who are your predictions Joel semi-finals so going for to my predictions quite interesting I think uh I've got in the semi-final in my top half I'm gonna go for Ash Barty uh versus Muguruza I think Muguruza will face Sviontek in round four but I think Muguruza will win that and uh, I'm fully expecting Ash Barty to get there. I know I kind of talked up Coco Goff potentially in round four, potentially causing an upset. Um, but I think Barty, I think will come through. It could very well be a classic, though. Um, really kind of excited for that if that happens. Bottom half, uh, I'm going Sabalenka. I just can't see. I just feel like all the seeds around her in that section are just going to lose. And she's just going to have a really easy ride, basically. Um to the semi-finals so i've got her facing bianca andrescu um in the in in that bottom half i just think she i just think she has played really good tennis when she's been on a tennis court and she's gonna do do her damnedest to uh to not let injuries get in her way and if that is the case i'm fully expecting her to get to the semi-finals nice yeah um I, I, if her body holds up, absolutely. <laughs> I just don't know about, <laughs> I know, big if. about, yeah. Um, yeah, I've gone for Barty as well. Um, I did put in brackets M- Mukova because I was thinking, mm, will Mukova cause something here? But I've gone for Barty and I've also gone for Muguruza <laughs> thinking that she would, um, knock out Shviontek. I've also gone for Sabalenka. So gosh, we're very similar, aren't we, Joel? Um, and, but I have actually gone for Kudermatova to be a rogue semi finalist. Uh, because I think she's actually been in pretty decent form. She won Charleston and she's had sort of fairly consistent uh, form over the clay season. You know, nothing sort of remarkable per se, but I just feel looking at that section, should Andreescu not materialise, I just feel Kudermatova could be one of those players that will, will come through and, and make a, a maiden semi. Um, and then at four, I'll, I'll just go on and do my final. I've gone for a... Um, a Sabalenka against Muguruza final. So I feel that, uh, yeah, Muguruza is going to overcome Barty. And I've gone for Muguruza as my champion. <laughs> I feel like actually I predict her all the time as champion. I don't <laughs> I know feel why. Like we, always, we always predict her all the time <laughs> and we're always never right. So I, I mean, just want all Spanish champions. I'm just going <laughs> all, all out Spain. Um, yeah. What about you, Joel? Do you have, do you have Muguruza as well? No, I don't. I've got Barty. I think Barty will beat Muguruza. I think she's just a bit more wily and will know how to will know how to push Muguruza's buttons. So I'm going Barty Sabalenka final, and I think Barty will be the champion. You know, she didn't play last year. I feel like she's gonna want to prove again, prove herself. And um, yeah, I've got Barty coming out as the winner. I mean. Muguruza and Sabalenka play similar sort of games and I think Barty's game and, and how she sort of thinks on court I think she'd be able to sort of overcome both of those so yeah getting Ash Barty as my French Open ladies champion. So Barty and Muguruza so Joel you're just going for the top seeds in both um, very very <laughs> oh, yeah, original. I, I know I know. <laughs> it often happens though <laughs> um, and then just quickly last Brit standing Joel you think Joe Conter is going to go on a bit of a a bit of a run? I know I know some listeners are probably I mean this is probably a bit of comedy for some listeners um, but yeah I'm going Joe Conter I, I, I've said 
not because she's been in any in any sort of form really recently. I just think she's got quite a good draw. Um and if she can get past Kerstea, I know that's sort of a big if, but if she can do that, I genuinely think she could get to round four. So um yeah, I'm gonna go Conta. Who who have you got? I am gonna say Cam Norrie. He will get to the third round. Um uh, he's gonna beat Sonigo en route, but he'll lose to Rafa um in that third round but I, I do think dan evans could also get to the third round and lose to Zverev. so i'm gonna go with 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 the men for this one actually um look at us now heather watson will probably go on a storming rampage to the uh well quarterfinals no that's never gonna happen um <laughs> anyway <laughs> we did have a question on twitter from i believe at top spin lobber who was asking which american woman uh would be going the deepest in in this edition um because obviously there's so many americans in in the draw serena perhaps unlikely to be the last american what would you say who would your money be on joel on the spot question christina McHale. <laughs> well you never know <laughs> you never um, know i'm i'm sort of interested by for some reason i'm sort of interested by jennifer brady um but I still think you know she could get to she could get to the fourth round maybe. Um, I'm not really sure. I feel I think I, I mean arguably I think I might still say Serena Williams because I just think she's in a quite a soft part of the draw that there's a lot of players there, but I just think they're not in a lot of form, and I just wonder if Serena Williams is gonna maybe spring a surprise on us. I mean she could face Kerber, she could face Kvitova. Uh, you know, I I think she could kind kind of come through that and sneak her way into a, a quarterfinal. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Serena Williams um, as as my last last American standing. Um, yeah. No, nice. I think that's a, uh, it's still a good. You could never really write her off, can you? Um, I would say for me, Coco Goff or Jessica Pagula, just based on kind of form, uh, recent form and form this season. But I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was someone like Anne Lee, uh, who's, you know, a fairly young prospect, uh, or even, you know, Madison Keys, you know, people who have, have form at slams. Like this, honestly, yeah, like Topspin Lobber said, there's so many candidates in the draw for the USA. Uh, gosh, if, if we had that many British women in the draw, where we would just be, yeah, I, I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, that brings us to a close pretty much for our preview episode. We do have one last thing to do, uh, which is announce our collector set and the six players that we are choosing for uh, for this uh, this edition of collector set. So anyone who hasn't played collector set, essentially, it's a little listener prediction challenge. We get involved as well, as do many of our listeners. And we pick six players, three men, three women. Um, we have to, well, we, you have to all predict how far you think they're going to go into the competition. So which round essentially will they reach? So will it be first round, second round? Will it be the quarterfinals, the final? Or will they win the tournament? So um, we have five picks from us. And I think one pick from a uh, one of our listeners who uh, supported us in our crowdfunder and, and chose the... Uh, reward option that gave them a, a a pick in collector set and i i believe that's actually your mother joel caroline girling <laughs> yes it was my mum i whatsapped her to be like you've got a pick for collector set can you let me know and uh yeah we've got uh three men's pick three women's pick kim, kim i'm gonna give the men's picks including the pick from my mother so without further ado drum roll for the men uh the three picks are uh, so the first one is from my mum, Caroline, um, Roger Federer. And the two picks from us from Passing Shot HQ are going to be Casper Ruud and Daniel Medvedev. Nice. I think that's a that is quite a difficult uh, group of players, I think. Um, and I, I do like the fact that your mother has picked Federer because <laughs> I think that's a great shout. Um, yeah, for the women, we've got uh, Naomi Osaka. We've got Serena Williams and we've got Carolina Mukova. So, uh, yeah, Osaka, Serena and Mukova. So let us Exciting. know on, yeah, let us know on Twitter um, 
or on Instagram or Facebook. You can contact us in different ways. Uh, I think most people usually send them through on Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. Just send us a tweet or a direct message, however you want to get in touch um, with your prediction. So just to clarify as well, for the for the final, we need you to say whether there'll be you know, the runner up or the winner, um, rather than just saying the final. Um, and we will uh, put our predictions in there as well. And we'll be updating everyone as the tournament progresses uh, with uh, you know how everyone's doing. And hopefully we'll have an outright winner because I think at the AO we had about six people I tied. Know. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> I was like really scared. Uh, yeah. How we were going to sort that out. But yeah, the winner will get a very coveted passing shot mug. Uh, so it's a very very prestigious um very prestigious prize not been many many winners um of the of the passing shot mug so um yeah listeners get your picks in to be in with a chance to win a passing shot mug uh we would like your answers by uh the start of play which i think is on sunday so make sure to get them in uh where however you want on twitter instagram email uh let us know but um yeah, we look forward to your predictions. We're going to announce ours in our round one catch up on Tuesday. So I hope you can join us for that episode. But I think we're going to leave our preview pod uh, here. So listeners, um, if you want to stay up to date on the French Open, we are going to be doing round by round coverage. So make sure to subscribe to The Passing Shot on your podcasting platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe to us and stay up to date on the French Open with our round-by-round coverage. And if you have been enjoying listening to the show uh, recently and want to support us, make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at uh, Passing Shot Pod. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, Passing Shot Pod. And you can also drop us an email, uh, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. So do get in touch, not just with your predictions, but with any questions you may have or feedback. Uh, we do love to hear from all the listeners. Um, you know, love to hear your thoughts about what's going on in the tennis world. And I'm sure there will be an awful lot going on over the next few weeks. So do definitely get in touch. And we will be back with our round one catch up on Tuesday. So I hope you can join us for that. In the meantime, start thinking about your collector set uh, predictions, your player picks and let us know. Uh, We look forward to receiving them. And uh, yeah, we will see you once the French Open has started on Tuesday. See you again soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.